All right, everybody, welcome back to another Shots from the Winchester podcast presented by Greencastle. My name is Lindsay. I'm your host today, and we have Jacob Lepley with us. Hey, Jacob. Hey, Lindsay. How are you nice doing? Nice to be here. Great, great. Cool, cool. So we're in the Winchester, so because we're in the Winchester, we have to do a shot. Okay. So what are we doing a shot of? I think it's called Pama. It is a pomegranate vodka and with tequila mixed in, so it should be interesting. I've never okay. had it before. Well, all right. So then uh, let's cheers to Greencastle. To Greencastle. All right, cool. That's actually that, really good. That is, that tastes like, like juice, honestly. Yeah. Jacob, you're here today because you are currently in the Skillbridge program at Greencastle, so we'll talk a little bit about that. But first I wanted to talk about your military experience because everybody that works here is a veteran, um, so they have this military experience, so I'd love to hear your story. Yeah, so it's kind of a long one, but I'll, I'll try, and, try and keep it short. Uh, I enlisted in the Army in 2002, came in as a Russian linguist, uh, so I went straight from basic training to the Defense Language Institute to, to learn Russian. Uh, and my training pipeline was a little bit longer. It took me about a year and a half before I got to my first duty station. So did that for a little while. And this was, you know, 2003, 2004, where, you know, Iraq, Afghanistan, global war on terrorism. Uh, so Russian linguists, there wasn't a lot of promotion opportunity. So I switched over uh, where there was more promotion opportunity. So I became a human intelligence collector. Uh, did that for a while, uh, you know, five combat deployments, you know, lots of time in special operations. Uh, so did, did that for a while, became a, a warrant officer. Uh, so assessed to be a warrant officer at five years. I've met one person in my, in my time that assessed to be a warrant officer that wasn't a pilot, um, you know, earlier than me, but five years is, is, is pretty fast. Uh, so I became a warrant officer and then did that for a while, you know, lots of, served with lots of great units, lots of great people. And then in 2014, I had an opportunity to apply for and join the Defense Attaché Service. So I, I did, got, got accepted, um, went and uh, learned French uh, before, before my first assignment and went to the Joint Military Attaché School and then served in the Defense Attaché Service for essentially the rest of my career, served at a, at a couple of different embassies, and then I came back and wound up being an instructor at the Joint Military Attaché School, and then I closed out my career. Uh, I was the Chief of the Army Attaché Management Division, kind of overseeing the, the Army's Attaché program. Wow, okay, so, <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> so that's the All short right. version. <laughs> so um, I, I guess my first question is probably, why did you go in as a Russian linguist? Like, what was the interest there that made you think, like, this is what I want to do? So when I joined, I actually just joined as a linguist, uh, and then the Army chose Russian for me. Um, ah, the, okay. reason, the reason for it, I knew I wanted to do something in the intel, intelligence field, and uh, the, the choices that day when I went to enlist were either a Morse code operator or a linguist. And... <laughs> <laughs> I, oh. I, I weighed the two. It was a tough decision, but I, I wound up going with, uh, with uh, a linguist, and then the Army chose Russian for me. Uh, based, you have to take a qualification test, and they, they assess your ability to learn languages, and you're kind of assigned a language based on your aptitude for languages, and uh, I was kind of middle of the pack, so I got Russian. <laughs> well, and I know that being um, a linguist, you have to get a certain score even upon entering. Like, you have to have a pretty high uh, test score. Is that correct? Correct. Yep. Right. Yep. So that's that's really impressive. So then um, you mentioned a human intelligence collection. Can you speak on that a little bit? <laughs> sure. Yeah. So uh, 
with human intelligence, it's you know another discipline in, in the intelligence community, and essentially it's you know a wide variety of ways that you can interact with getting intelligence information, you know, information from a human. Lots of ways we do that, you know, kind of source operations or debriefings, uh, interrogations. So lots of lots of different ways to do that. Lots of methodologies um, that are out there, and I've I've done I think I've done about all of them. So wow. Yeah. That's really impressive. <laughs> um, and then your school that you were the chief of, tell us more about that. I don't actually know anything about that school. The Joint Military yeah. Attaché yes. School. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the Defense Attaché Service, uh, I'll just give a little bit of background because it, it's a lot of people might not know about mm -hmm. it, but the Defense Attaché Service, uh, broadly, uh, what we do is we represent the Department of Defense uh, and specifically the Secretary of Defense uh, diplomatically overseas. We serve in U.S. embassies and we, you know, promote, you know, friendly relations between our countries, military cooperation. And we advise the ambassador, uh, which we also call the chief of mission, on all military matters. And we oversee, you know, we implement all those strategic level DOD initiatives. Whatever the Department of Defense is doing in a country, we're, we're there implementing that and coordinating that with the embassy, with the State Department, with all, all, the, all the agencies. So, so that's kind of broadly what the Defense Attaché Service does. And uh, I, you know, obviously there's a, there's a big learning curve to, to get people, you know, military officers. And we take, in the Defense Attaché Service, one of, one of the strengths, you know, similar to, I guess, society is, is our diversity, right? And so we have people from all, all over, you know, we have attachés that are F-16 pilots or armor officers or cooks. Um, some of my students, actually some of my best students were in the band, both the Army Band and the Air Force Band, and they joined the, joined the Defense Attaché Service, and they were amazing. Um, so, so we, we taught them, you know, to, to be diplomats and to do all the, the missions that the Defense Attaché Service has. That's pretty impressive. So I have in my notes then, you were an accredited diplomat. So I'm assuming through that is where you were an accredited diplomat. Correct. Yep. So then uh, tell us about, you know, maybe one story that you have that was like kind of cool or unique through that experience. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> so, so just so many. Um, but I, uh, so a couple things. One is... The, the opportunity to live and serve overseas. So I got to, I was stationed, my embassies I served at were in Jemena, Chad, and then Kyiv, Ukraine. And just the opportunity to live overseas, immerse yourself in the culture, you know, I got to live in Africa, you know, and it, it was amazing and really know the people and get to know the continent. Um, so that's amazing. And obviously in, in Ukraine was, uh, you know, an amazing time. Obviously I was extremely busy all the time. Um, but one, one, you know, story that, uh, really had an impact on me later at the time I really I was just doing my job I was just we're just doing the job we're just doing the work it's what what, what it was and we're just pushing through and it really wasn't wasn't any anything that I really thought of at the time but then later it became big and that was uh, I was there I was in Kiev when we made the decision you know the whole of government you know made the decision to provide lethal aid to the Ukrainians so that meant we were providing javelins so I was on the VTCs when we were talking about that, talking with the National Security Council. So we're, you know, working with, with you know, everybody involved, lots of people involved in that decision. Um, and then there was a lot of things that, that went into it. We had to go and, you know, look at where the Ukrainians were gonna store these things and, and you know, lots of stuff had to happen um, to make that happen and logistically getting, the, getting them in and all that stuff. So, so I was, you know, a small part of that team that, you know, that, that brought those javelins into Ukraine and at the time, it was just, we we're just doing the work. That, that's what it was. 
But then, you know, when, when Russia invaded and, you know, the, those javelins uh, played a huge part in Ukraine's ability to resist that initial onslaught, uh, it was very rewarding in, in hindsight. I could say, hey, I, I was a part of that, um, you know, so... Uh, again, at the time, didn't think anything of it, but right. later on, uh, you know, we, we know that those those what, the work that we did there made a big difference, um, and so so that was you know that's rewarding, right? Yeah, yeah. I was going to say that has to be really rewarding. So you have all these worldly experiences, all this culture, <laughs> and then you land in Malvern, Pennsylvania. <laughs> um, so you're in the Skillbridge program here. Can yes. you? Talk a little bit about what that offers and how you found that program in Greencastle. Yeah, so the 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 Skillbridge program in the Department of Defense is just an amazing program uh, where they allow you to find uh, an internship uh, or a you know, fellowship. There's different programs out there uh, that you can build skills to help you transition from the military to the to the civilian sector, and it's it's an amazing program. You get to do it while you're on active duty, so you're still getting active duty pay and active duty benefits. Uh, it's just absolutely amazing, and how I found Greek Castle was through a, through a lot of research. I'm you know very diligent, and um, I I looked for every single Skillbridge program that I could find, and I found about 120 that w had something to do with project management or program management or operations management. That's what I wanted to be. I you know I got my master's degree in project management, so I knew I, I wanted to do something in in that field. I also really like process improvement, um, so I was you know focused on those. Found about 120, and I just started doing research. Uh, research, you know, all the the different companies and the programs and stuff that they had. And what I loved about Greencastle was, one, they really invested in you. You know, they, you know, the the Stronghold Leadership uh, Skillbridge program. You know, you get a lot world class training. You get certifications, PMP, Lean Six Sigma, Scrum Master. So it's just amazing that the, the company really invests in you. And then you also get, you know, real world client experience. So, uh, so I'm, you know, right now working with, with a client and getting that, that hands-on real world experience. Uh, so so it's, it's, it's been amazing. And I, and I, I love the Stronghold uh, Fellowship and love Greencastle. So it's, it's great. That's good. And you've been here how many months now? Uh, about two and a half got here beginning of January. So and then at the start of next month, you'll be accepting a full-time role. Is that correct? Yeah. So uh, I'm gonna. I'm uh, I, after my skill bridge ends, I got to go back to my unit for just a short period, and then once my time in the military ends, I'll I've accepted a full-time position. Yeah. Yeah. So I strongly encourage that if you're out there and you're a veteran, you look into the skill bridge skill bridge program. Excuse me. Um, it is so valuable. It really helps veterans transition um, into the civilian world. It gives teaches those valuable skills and you'll just have to find the one that's right for you um, and Greencastle is one of those many places that has a Skillbridge program so um, with that what uh, what advice would you give to a veteran transition transitioning into civilian world outside of the Skillbridge program so it's it's a great question I, I think I think there, there's a lot of things um, I think the the one thing I would probably say is you know, we, we talk a lot about finding your purpose and your next mission, and that's critically important. And I think there's some systematic ways that, that you can do that. And you, you don't want to, you know, you don't want to skip that. You don't want to just look for a job. You want to find fulfillment because that, you know, being in the military, that military has taken up a big chunk of your life. And, you know, a lot of times we, we have a lot of our identity wrapped up uh, into our military service. Uh, and so you want to find, you know, find all of that. And so there's great... Um, 
veteran service organizations out there that can you know help you. I, I worked with one called the Commit Foundation. They're incredible. They have a program called Pursue Your Purpose, um, where you, you find your, you know, that helps find you. And then the other thing is, you know, when you're looking for fulfillment, um, you don't just get fulfillment from your job, right? You get fulfillment from a lot of areas in your life. It can be, you know, hobbies, things that you can do. It can be giving back to a community. It can be through spirituality. There's a lot of ways that you get fulfillment in your life. And I think a lot of times um, veterans want to, we want to look at, you know, getting fulfillment from a job, but it's not just the job. It's, it's all aspects of your life, you know, finding the next hobby or, you know, doing something you haven't done, you know, running a marathon or, you know, one, one of our goals is we want to visit all the, the national parks, uh, you know, so having goals and, and looking for ways to, to find fulfillment and purpose, I think, is, is, is the most important uh, part of transitioning. That's a great, that's a, a lot of great advice. And honestly, you have a couple things that we'll talk about that I feel like kind of address those other areas, yeah. right? So um, if it wasn't enough that you have all of these really fascinating achievements throughout <laughs> your life and, and your military career and, you know, uh, working here, you are also a small business owner, is that correct? Yes. Do you want to talk about? You have multiple, right? Yes. Okay. So, well, let's so get I do. Into that. Yeah. So, so they're, they're all kind of new. Uh, but uh, what I'm doing is, uh, in my transition, uh, I kind of wanted to do pursue multiple uh, options. And um, you know, I through the Commit Foundation, I uh, got linked up with an executive coach, and through our coaching sessions, um, we talked about uh, you know based on my values and what I was doing that, you know, entrepreneurship was probably something that I should explore. So in addition to, you know, working with Greencastle, I want to explore entrepreneurship. So um, part, I know part, we'll probably get to, uh, you know, what we're doing being a digital nomad, but uh, I did, uh, I became a certified RV inspector. So similar to a home inspection, uh, anybody that buys an RV, uh, you know, should, should get them inspected. So I became a certified RV inspector. I'm also a registered RV technician, so I can work on RVs. So I went down to the National RV Training Academy and, and, and got those certifications. And uh, we, we've started our business. We've, you know, uh, filed the, you know, formed the LLC. Uh, we're getting the banking set up right now. So, you know, banking and then insurance, and then, uh, then, then we'll have a company. But we got, you know, we got a company formed, and so, so we're doing that. And then that's one of the businesses. I also am in the real estate, so I have about five different businesses in real estate. Uh, four of them are kind of real estate holding companies where I, I you know, own my investment properties in those companies. And then I have another one that, uh, that we're going to uh, do. We're going to buy and sell uh, mortgages, uh, notes uh, to investors. So kind of working a, a few different things. How you have time for all that, I'm not <laughs> sure. Maybe that's why you have the, the master's in project management, right? So you can like build your own timelines to make sure you get everything done. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's pretty impressive. You have a lot going on. Well, and my wife helps with the businesses as well. Uh, oh, she she cool. does she does a lot with the with the businesses, so it's team effort, 100 percent, not just me. Yeah. Do you want to talk about your wife at all? How long have you been married? Yeah. So yeah. Uh, so we've been married. Uh, uh oh, I didn't know there was going to be relationship trivia. <laughs> 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 we got married on September 16th, 2000, 2006. So 17-ish years uh, coming up on. Um, never did have uh, have kids, but um, uh, she's great. She teaches uh, English as a second language uh, online. Uh, so, so she's, you know, remote and, and that, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's great. She's great. She obviously is my rock and my support and, uh, just an, an amazing person, probably the, the nicest and sweetest person you've ever met. And she's a military spouse, which is such a huge job. Like, you know, that, that is not easy. There's a lot of times that we, you know, talk about and highlight the veteran, but the military spouses have a really tough job too. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, 
Um, I wanted to touch on something else. So you are what you like to call a digital nomad. Yes. Okay, tell us what that means. <laughs> so um, we'll, I'll back up just a little bit. And when I was making my decision tra to transition, um, I'd kind of got to pretty much the top of my career field. Um, and I was looking around at you know what I was going to do next and um, didn't see something that really caught my eyes, the, the next challenge, the next thing. And so I started asking myself, you know, is this still the way I want to live my life, right? And uh, I loved all my time in the Army, uh, had an amazing career, served with some incredible people. Um, but, you know, at, you know, right now, I was like, is this still how I want to live my life? And the answer was no. Uh, we wanted to we wanted to have a little more freedom uh, than sometimes the military allows, and we wanted to have a, a live a little more of an adventurous life. Um, so we wanted to be able to travel and do things. So what we're doing is we uh, bought an RV, we sold our house, one of the, you know, our, our primary house, we still have our, our rental properties, but um, we sold our house, uh, we bought an RV, and uh, we have been uh, living full-time in our RV for over six months now and uh, traveling the, the United States. And, uh, you know, our goal is, you know, we're trying to see all the national parks and just experience so many things, you know, and not, instead of investing in stuff and things, we want to invest in ex experiences and just live as much life as we can. So. So that's what we're, we're trying to do. And that's great advice. And, and the nice thing is that, you know, where you work, Greencastle, like they, they're flexible and they, that you're, we can work remote, we can go wherever and, you know, still get the work done. And also that's just the kind of, I guess, what happened after COVID, right? Everybody went remote. And so that's kind of life now, right? Yeah, so. no, it, it's absolutely uh, perfect. You know, and Greencastle's the, the perfect, you know, kind of the, the perfect fit for me. You know, I get to do the work that I want to do um, you know, I can do it where I want to do it. I can be remote and I can do it with great people, which is super important to me. Oh, that's awesome. I'm really glad you're here. Very yeah. cool. So I want to leave the audience with one last thing. We usually have a leadership tip. So you obviously, being a warrant officer, being in the military, being here, you have experience being a leader. So um, if you'd like to impart some leadership knowledge on the audience, that would be great. Sure. Um, so obviously being in for over 20 years, I think there, there, you know, I could probably talk about it for a long time. Um, I think the one thing I'd say is, you know, leadership is always uh, personal. You know, it's, you're dealing with people uh, and, and that it, it, it's got to be personal and it's, it's about relationships. So really helps uh, if however you can, you build a both a personal relationship and a professional relationship with, with all your people. And that relationship really helps. And, you know, because leadership is about, you know, people and relationships, the number one factor I, I found uh, in that is communication. And not only how you, you know, what you communicate, how you communicate it, and when you communicate it, right? Those are all super important. Sometimes you can, you know, get what you communicate is right, but how you communicate it is wrong, or maybe how you did it is right, but you just did it late, right? We didn't communicate at the right time, and, and you can have some real pitfalls there. So I think, you know, big part of leadership is communication and doing it, you know, communicating the right thing, the right way, the right time is, is really important. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with that. So thank you so much for being here, Jacob. Oh, really thank you. appreciate it. Uh, please like and subscribe to our channel. Please comment, share. We appreciate all the interactions. Um, and we come out with new episodes every Tuesday. So, you know, follow and you'll get more awesome content like this. <laughs> so, Jacob, thanks again. Thank you. And we'll catch you on the next one.